the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. You, your money, your life, your dreams. The answers are here. This is Rob Black. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Got open phone lines, 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get calls on the air. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. We could talk about anything financial. We could talk about baby boomers. We could talk about Generation X, Generation Y. We could talk about how much do you need to save for retirement. We could talk about 529 plans, college plans. Should you use them or should you not? We could talk about what you should expect from the stock market for the next 10 years, what you should expect from the economic front, from the employment front. I think something that uh, we got a little spoiled with, late 90s, early 2000s, we had really, really good unemployment numbers. Maybe too good. Maybe too good. Get your calls in there. It's 800-345-5639. I see the phone's ringing, but Heidi walked away from her desk. So let the phone keep on ringing. <laughs> For some reason, I don't have that internal editor that says, don't tell the audience what's happening. In the studio. I, I just automatically i'm the guy behind the curtain i'm the wizard i'm pulling the rods i'm pulling the rods how are you chad good what can we expect from employment in the next 10 years employment in the next 10 years yeah five years it's tough to say time flies chad i mean in the next you know 12 months more layoffs who knows in the next 10 years it really depends on what steps you know if we get a second stimulus package i guess this would be third right well let let me give you some statistics okay the employment to population ratio stands at 59.5%. That's the lowest level since 1984. The average duration for being unemployment is 24 and a half weeks. That's the highest since records ever began. Of the 14.7 million people who are officially counted as unemployed, 29% have been unemployed for 27 weeks or longer. Also a record. The average work week of 33 hours for production workers is at its lowest point since records began in 1964. So what that tells me, Chad is when the economy does strengthen or gets healthy, we're going to increase the average work week versus hiring people. Because when you hire a person, Chad, you're an owner of a company, you have to pay their health care, you have to pay their social security. It's it's expensive to hire one body. You have to train them. Well, the numbers that you're looking at, too, are those people that file for new claims, right? Right. It doesn't even count all the you know moms and dads that were mortgage brokers or real estate brokers that just stopped looking, right? They decided to stay home. You know, the average work week hit its highest level in 1964, 38.7 hours. So when you were working, you worked 38.7 hours. Now the average work week's 33. Mm-hmm. You know why that's happened uh, since 64? Health insurance costs. You want to keep the... Oh, no, 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 no. Do you know why we were working fewer hours? Why? Uh, productivity, technology. Well, you can also see that, but also as health insurance costs went up, people are getting hired more. There's more part-time work I, out there. I like my answer better. Okay. So. That's good. Productivity continues to go up. It's gone up. I veto you. Quarter after quarter after quarter. 
video you. Compensation costs for private industry workers up 1.5% for the 12-month period. That's the smallest increase since records began in 1980. So people are being misers. Businesses are being misers. Mm-hmm. Go to phone calls. Um, let's go to Gloria. I think you got my number. Hi there. And Ross. Um, can you hear me? I can hear you great. Okay, great. I have a question regarding giving money to friends and family I have in France and in Sweden. And I want to know, I don't care for myself, giving them the money, what the penalties might be for myself, tax-wise, but for them, do you have any idea if there are penalties giving money cash, first of all, or can I buy stock and give the stock in their country? You know, like I have publicist stock, which is a French company. And would it be better to give that stock uh, to a friend in France? Or would it be better to give her cash money? What's the cost basis on the stock? What did you pay for it, and what is it worth now? Um, The stock is worth, in American dollars, about $35 a share. Mm -hmm. And what did you pay for it? It's it's gone through, since I've owned it, it's gone through numerous, um, you know... um, Changes, but what what did you? What's your cost basis per share? It's valued at thirty five. Did you pay thirty for it? Basis, my cost basis would be something like eighteen dollars. Okay, so for you, it'd be much better for you to actually transfer the stock to them, and then that way, um, you know, they can deal with the tax issues in their own country. I see. I'd like to make it the best way for them because that they don't have any problems with taxes on their end. Okay, yeah, and I don't know what the tax issues are in capital gains for you know, Sweden and France. Where I can find, you know, do you have any idea where I can start to find this out? Um, you would actually have them talk to their tax advisors there. Thanks for the call. Let's jump to Rich in San Francisco. I made an executive decision there that that call was going to go no further. Yeah, and... and <laughs> I mean, she can give thirteen thousand dollars to any one person that she wants without any sort of taxes. If you go over and above that, you have to file a gift tax return, and that doesn't mean there's any taxes due now. Would it just you means... say that some people are just nuts? She's <laughs> giving people money, and she doesn't want them to pay taxes, so she wants to pay the taxes on it. I wouldn't say, yeah, just too nice. Just, too if nice. too nice is nuts, then there you go. There, yeah, sure. Good God, you and your kind words. Eight hundred three four five five six three nine to get your calls in there. It's eight hundred three four five five six three nine. Let's go to Rich in San Francisco. Yeah, hi, this is Rich. Hi, Chad. Uh, I talked to you last week about insurance and uh, question and IRAs. This this time, I, I've taken care of all the beneficiaries on my wife and my IRAs, but we have three joint accounts, uh, one with Ameritrade, one with Fidelity, and one with another outfit. What's the best way, and, and all of these are, are uh, joint accounts with rights of survivorship, what's the best way or how do you handle of contingent, what would be a contingent beneficiary? Do we do we get these have have a contingent beneficiary? Do we put them in trust for somebody? Do we put them in our will? How do we handle these? Well, how much do you have in these taxable accounts? Uh, total about uh, probably one hundred and fifty thousand. And how much do you own in real estate in California? In California? Mm-hmm. Uh, in California, probably. Well, she has house a uh, million dollars, I guess, equity. And, and so you have houses outside of California as well. Yeah, we have a couple in in, uh, in so we, and we also have a tick, and we have a commercial building. Uh, all right, yeah, you definitely need a living trust. And... Well, we have a living trust that that we have. Okay, well, you don't have a living trust because you haven't titled your accounts properly. You may have a document that says you have a living trust, but until your brokerage accounts are titled in the name of your living trust, you don't have anything. I see. So I should get those titled 
in in the in the trust. Yeah, every, everything that's not an IRA or or a life insurance policy or an annuity should be titled in the name of your living trust. I got it. Oh, great. And the attorney that set that up, they should have helped you do that. So, um, you know, the the attorney typically works with the advisor to get the accounts changed so the title's correct. They actually handle the title to your home and your rental properties and everything else. So basically, you have a worthless document right now until you get these things retitled. Yeah, we did the homes. That we did, but uh, I didn't, uh, you know, the the other accounts, the non-IRAs, I just uh, put them in joint survivorship and left them at that and thought that was good enough. Nope, because that'll just take care of it at the first death, but it wouldn't take care of anything after you both die. Got it. Okay, great. Thank you so much. You bet. Chad, do you watch television? A little bit. You know what number one new type of show is? New? Well, reality used to be it, but I don't know. What is it now? Cooking shows. Oh, yeah. Have you seen that show, Man vs. Food? No. It's all the talk. Start watching it. Otherwise, you're going to be left <laughs> behind. The Food Network Travel Channel. Um, these are shows that are pretty cheap to make. Yeah. You throw out a kitchen, you put in a star, you know, it could, be the, it could be the chunky southern woman, it could be the angry northern guy, it could be the, you know, the, the cool Asian dude. So, whatever the stereotype is, <laughs> they're pretty cheap to pull off. Um, Travel Channel's got one called um, uh, The Next Food Network Star. Maybe I should go out for that. Good cook? Nah, I'm, I'm awful. <laughs> <laughs> you can make some ribs, right? I, I, I'm okay. So my mother was Southern, so I, I know how to make you know four-step chicken and stuff like that. Yeah, I can make a mean omelet and peanut butter jelly sandwich. You're not good at that, are you? What, omelets? Cooking. Domestic uh, stuff. No, I, I, I can barbecue okay. I'm nothing, I'm, you know... You I'm got not married just brag to, about it. You got it married just so the house would be clean, right? <laughs> Food on the table, table. has to be clean. 800-345-5639. Get your calls on the air. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Sitting in with me today, certified financial planner Chad Burton, because we're going to be in Los Gatos tonight, so we're plugging, plugging, plugging the Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning Seminar. You can sign up at robblack.com. We're going to be there 630 to 9-ish tonight, so it's a road show. You can listen online if you can't quite hear us. Jump online, 910kenew.com, 910kenew.com. If you like some of the content and want to hear it again, for whatever reason, you can get the podcast at 910kenew.com. I love this song, Chad. Like, when I was a little teenage boy, I'd probably dance around in my underwear singing this song. I don't know why. Scary thought. Black is watching your wallet live and local. Call 1-800-345-KNEW. I made up that thing about dance around and singing the song Gloria as a kid. Just say that, Chad. Thank God. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. I'm no longer posting on the live blog. I'm trying to focus on the show. I'm watching the live blog, but I'm trying to focus on the show. And um, so during the commercial breaks, I have a little extra time on my hands. And I just remember, hey, we're at a radio station. Don't you wish you had this CD? Will and Grace. <laughs> the music from Will and Grace. Man, people will sell anything. You would have to be a shut-in to listen to this. Like your whole life would have to just basically be watching 40 hours a week of TV. Yeah. That's pretty lame. Let's go to phone calls. <laughs> 800-345-5639. Let's go to Walter in Los Gatos, the cat. 
How are you, Walter? There we go. I'm signed up, and uh, I look forward to seeing you guys tonight. Um, one of the questions I have, it, it, it used to be a team like to me much more simple to invest. You know, you had a company that made profit, that, that had a good uh, uh, portfolio and the way that they were managing things. Today, it seems like it's so political. It, it, it's very hard sometimes to disseminate between the two. And our, our country seems to be going down a road where we're not producing uh, other than political rhetoric in so many cases. And I, I'm really concerned that we don't have the foundation that we used to have. Was there a question there? Yeah. I, mi- um, I missed it. I mean, I, I guess, how do we how do we in the future, you know, I, I mean, I was just in Seattle, and I saw boats leaving Seattle that had nothing in them. We're not producing anything. And, you know, we have the Internet, but I think that... We, we, we lack in, in core, and it kind of goes back to the question, in five years unemployment, I, I don't see us in a good boat uh, financially well, in five years in this country. Walter, I'm really concerned. Walter, I don't totally agree with you that we're not producing anything. We're more of a service economy now than a manufacturing economy, and I think that's actually a good thing because service jobs pay more than manufacturing jobs do, and it allowed the rest of the world to manufacture the stuff we create. Well, what about cars, though? I mean, you know, I, I, I look at cars, and we've had such a great history in cars, and yet we've blown it in such a big way. Um, you know, you go look at a Honda today, and you look at this little Accord V6 five years ago. I would never have looked at a car like that, and I'm looking at it. I'm going, you know, it's a masterpiece. And, you know, I, I, and we just don't have anything like that, and, and we really should. We've got the Chevy Volt coming out, and that's getting incredible reviews. It's crazy expensive. I think the American car, yeah, we, we lost our edge in the, the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. They have to get back to designing what we want. They are a fat industry that uh, ultimately failed. And I don't think we need three car companies in the United States. I think uh, we've got car, every country has a major car company now. Every major country has a car company. And that's plenty. I think we oversaturated uh, in the car industry, and it's time to evolve. And that, again, ties back, to, uh, Walter, to exactly what we're saying. We're no longer a manufacturing economy, and I think that's a good thing. Well, Chad. Yeah, well, my comments. I, I share the concerns. If I'm looking at it as a person, you know, middle class America, what are the prospects for my children, my grandchildren? What does this country look like going forward? I'm very, very concerned. I, we have both sides. I can't call myself a Republican, and I wouldn't call myself a Democrat because both sides, neither one of them, are fiscally conservative anymore, and that's been proven. And that is a problem. That's a debt problem that we have. Manufacturing. I do want to see more manufacturing here because I think we have to have it's – it's a matter of national security. It's not going to create high-paying jobs. What creates high-paying jobs in America is innovation. Small businesses innovating and creating new products and technologies. Fine, ship the dirty manufacturing overseas, whatever, but we need more innovation here and a concentration on small business. So when I look at it from a family perspective, I'm concerned. I'm concerned for my kids and what their opportunities are going to be. But if I look at it from the side I'm managing a portfolio – I'm not all that concerned because, yeah, you know, maybe I'm 20, 25% overseas right now. I'll just be 50, 60% overseas investing in five years and still be able to make the same amount of money. So the haves will have more and the have-nots will have a much tougher time. And I think you should rubber band your kid's right arm to his body so he develops a good left-handed curve. There you go. Because that could be his future. We always need lefties with curves. (laughs) Let's go to Steve in San Francisco. Steve. Hey, thanks, you guys. Hey, I was wondering, I'm trying to pay for my son's uh, college education. I'm wondering, do you think it's a better idea to just stop mine and my wife's 
retirement savings, which we put away about thirty grand a year combined for three or four years, or cash out a refinance on our house, get maybe fifty cash out, and uh, get a four point seven five interest rate for fifteen years. Okay. Well, is there any chance of financial aid? Have you done any of the calculations on that? Uh, we haven't gotten any financial aid at all. Zero. Okay. Zero. So you have a kid in college already? Yeah, this is his second year. Okay. Um, don't you want to have them take any loans and be responsible for any of that? I told them we're good for four years. After that, he's on his own. It'll probably He's in engineering, so it'll probably be five. Okay. Have you had him apply for any loans that you can help subsidize? I've asked him, but uh, you know how teenagers are. It's well, th- you've got to give him the part of your job. I mean, that's the better scenario than doing e- either one of what you talked about. Okay, say he doesn't. Say we don't get any aid. Then what's your what's your advice? Well, you should be able to get some sort of student loans. Um, then the advice would be to probably do a little bit of both of what you're talking about. You might back down your 401k contributions, but don't back them down so far that it's going to put you into the next tax bracket or make you miss out on any tax-deferred matches that you're going to get from your employer. Okay. Um, and whatever you do on the loan side, make sure it's a fixed rate. Right, um, it is fixed rate, 15-year. Yeah, so I, you know what you're going to do is take a look at your tax return and say, you know, if I... I'm maxing out my 401k at 16 grand and I pull out, you know, six instead and then I'm doing 10 instead of 16. Is that going to put you up into the next marginal tax bracket? If that's the case, I wouldn't do it. I'd go for the loan on the home. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks for the call. Did you see this chat story, Chad? You're talking about small businesses shutting down. Um, A club has been ordered to close ultimately uh, because of some fighting that went on there and some prostitution that went on there. We're setting down, we're, we're shutting down our sex clubs. If, if, to do prostitution. We're putting good quality strippers out of a job. What are your thoughts? Very sad. Sad Very for sad. The strippers. Now, even more sad? Shedding a tear. The only, the only good money in strip clubs is legal money. Um, <clears throat> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I don't know what that I means. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it's out there now, so <laughs> only good money. We'll work with it. It's legal money. Um... That's that's like in bars. That's the old bar rule. Like, you know, if you, the bartender gives you a free beer, mm. you, you up the tip kind of thing. Sure. That's where the good money comes from. That's what I'm trying to say. I see. Okay. So <laughs> it's not pay. No, no. I'm going to drop it before I get into trouble. So what's a stripper have to do to get an extra tip, Rob? But how about this for the greatest headline of all time? The, the, the strip club that gets shut down is called Heaven. Okay. And judge orders Heaven to close. Well, well, that's, a, that's a powerful judge right there. Some people think that God has left heaven, Chad, and that it's just angels up there without rule. Some people, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I once wrote a play on that. Basically, the devil sued to get back into heaven, and um, the last laugh is that he wins his court case. That you know, if you if you were thrown from heaven and you were this incredibly powerful angel, uh-huh. you'd get into trouble too. Okay. Uh, so, um, who was the judge in your devil versus God lawsuit? Is that why the play never ju- really had an ending? Or you are a freak. Eight hundred three four five five six three nine. That's gonna be your new nickname, freak. Um, quick email came in, and this email comes to us from Dylan. Cool name, right? Dylan. Yeah, it would have been cool, except for in the eighties with that nine hundred two one zero thing. Yeah, then it would have been kind of lame for that it period for a of time. Or so. you ruined it for a decade or so. But anyway, this one says, "I took a look at Chad's site. Sees there's a five hundred thousand dollars minimum for new clients. I don't live in that neighborhood yet." So I was interested in your opinion on when it makes sense to enlist a professional to help you. I can follow the basics of saving 10 to 15%, investing in cheap index funds, keep building wealth, 
But at what point do you get a little value add from a CFP? When do they outweigh the fees they charge? Well, we actually, uh, my company lowered the account minimum from 500 to 250, probably for the next quarter at least, um, because so many people got their portfolios decimated um, that we lowered it. I think it was in January from 500 to 250. Um Really, I mean, anybody can benefit from a CFP. There's certain types of CFPs. Our group has a uh, account minimum because we do more wealth management and retirement planning, but there are hourly-based CFPs that you go to if you need help budgeting and starting out and finding you know, which funds in your 401k to go to, and you pay them an hourly fee or a flat fee to put together a financial plan. So as soon as you have more questions than you're comfortable answering on your own, you can benefit from a certified financial planner if you are not looking to have your portfolio managed, you just find one that has hourly fees in, instead of uh, assets under management fees like we do. Now, Chad, August has turned out to be a very range-bound affair across assets. Yeah. But what's very interesting about it is that China, we seem to be taking our cue from China. Markets have begun taking their cue from the overnight action in China is the best way of saying it. And that dynamic, to me, is problematic. Because China will drop down 5%, and then we'll rally up, you know, from there. We'll open down, we'll rally up, but we're rallying up on very light volume. I'm a little bit expecting a a correction when the traders come back from their vacations, when Wall Street starts to hit the the volume back, so to speak. Your thoughts? Uh, well, you know, when the proof is going to be in October, really. Until then, it's, you know, what's going on right now is really... Nothing. I mean, so far the rallies we've seen has either been in healthcare shares, um, when it seemed like okay, maybe Obama's administration for a, a against a public plan or you know government only plan is going to die. So healthcare shares rallied. Yesterday it was in energy shares. So you have certain segments running these rallies recently. So you don't have broad market rallies. You have specific sectors rallying on light volume. Means really nothing right now. There will be a correction if we get through another quarter where there's no increase in revenues and it's still cost cutting faster than the drop in revenue to make numbers. Uh, you know, we will have a, a bit of a pullback. I did something kind of cool yesterday. Oh yeah, dropped my, dropped my phone in the in, in water. Uh huh. Put my phone in a box of rice. Yeah. Dried it all out. So the other thing that works is immediately vacuum it out with the shop vac, and or you put it, take the battery out, put it in a plastic bag, and put it in the freezer. Uh, that one's worked for take me too. The battery out, really? Yeah, take the battery out, put the battery and the phone in a plastic bag, put it in the freezer. I've got three little ones. You know how many? And in a boat, you know how many times my phone has been just trashed. Wow. So now my problem is, um, you ask how it got wet, mm-hmm. <laughs> dropped it in the toilet. <laughs> so now I got to get the smell of urine off of it. Mm, oh, nice. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's eight hundred three four five five six three nine. Got more content. We do have more content coming up. I'm going to talk about people that I hate. In the next segment, it's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, 800-345-5639. Talk 910-KNEW. Helping you make sense of the complicated world of money and finance. This is Rob Black. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial. Now, I told you I was going to talk about things that I hate. 
And I also have a great idea for you. Jen and I just shared ways to save your cell phone if you drop it in water. That's $200 savings. Boom. Just like that. <laughs> Boom. Um, I hate people who read books in bookstores. Don't you hate those people, Chad? You go to Barnes & Noble, you're looking for a book, and there's someone there who's just sitting there reading the whole entire book, putting his fingers all over it. He's halfway through it. I hate those people. That's when I do buy a book and the pages are a little bit thumbed up. That's that guy. That's that guy. Oh, I hate that guy. want to catch him and pop him. So <laughs> Accidentally it, spill your coffee on him. That's a great idea. <laughs> Hot coffee, too. And, and when you do it, say, get out of the store, hippie. <laughs> Barnes & Noble income falls 20%. That's where the story really is. Their income hit $12.3 million um, down from last year's $15.4 million. Barnes & Noble, you might remember, Chad, remember the go-go days when Barnes & Noble stock would shoot up mm-hmm. when they'd say, we got a dot-com strategy. That's right. So those were the days. Um, they could probably get that 15% back if they get rid of their chairs that people sit in and read those books. They'd get 15% off? No, they could get 15% more business because people could sit there and read. They'd have to actually buy the book and leave the store. Oh, you wouldn't right. have to spill coffee on them. That's right. That's a good idea. They um, should be running the company. That's right. <laughs> but they wouldn't buy the book because what you know what they are, Chad? They're the people that ruin the economy. <laughs> I, I spend time writing a book and then they read it for free. That's right. I hate them. You give your book away for free all the time. I do time. give my book away for free, which is kind of funny. I never mentioned that I have a book because I'm just not a self-promoter, but yeah. I do have a book. Um, and I give it away for free when people ask for it. So, And I won't sign it because I think that's just... And who wants my autograph? I thought you were a big deal. Um, I am a big deal, but when I do sign it, I sign something funny. So anyway, um, another thing that I want to talk about, how about this for a website? HowToGrowTobacco.com. HowToGrowTobacco.com. You can get, you can learn how to grow tobacco, Chad. For those people who have expensive addictions, one tobacco plant provides you about 200 grams or one half of a pound of tobacco, which is about 312 cigarettes. Really? Yeah. From one tobacco plant? From one tobacco That's amazing. Plant. In one year. That's what it'll, what it'll produce. Huh. So, and um, howtogrowtobacco.com, you can find it online, howtogrowtobacco.com. So there I am saving smokers money. <laughs> Grow your own tobacco. But you know what you're not allowed to do? You're not allowed to sell it. Because that's against law. ATF knocking on your door. The United States government, the state government will come after you because they want their tax money. But you are allowed to smoke it. Hmm. Just, that's all I got. I'm not talking in California and Oregon that you're allowed to grow and smoke as well. Like what? <laughs> the medical marijuana cards. Oh, the medical marijuana. Yeah. You know, I have a friend who has a medical marijuana card. Do you know what he did? What? Went to the doctor. Doctor said, um, what ails you? He goes, ah, a little sore. He's like, medical marijuana card. So basically, this doctor's in the business of giving out medical marijuana cards yeah. if you just make an appointment. Yep. So. I know somebody that went in with an ankle spur and got a medical marijuana card. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's There are doctors that are in the business for that, for sure. There was an interesting story out today, and I, I don't think you're going to say that's interesting um, in any way, shape, or form. But the Democratic leaders are considering splitting health care bill into two parts. So says the White House and Senate Democrat leaders. They're seeing little chance of a bipartisan support for the health care overhaul. They're considering a strategy that shift that would break the legislation into two parts and pass the most expensive provisions solely with Democratic votes. The idea is the latest effort by Democrats to escape the morass being caused by delays in Congress as well as voter discontent crystallized in angry town hall meetings. Have you seen some of those angry ta- town hall meeting videos? Yeah, I saw the one with Barney Frank on uh, the, the Daily Show last night. <laughs> That's where you get your news, isn't it? It's pretty much all I get my news from, yeah. Um, Exactly. (laughs) I interviewed one of the writers from The Daily Show once, and I was like, you know, 
most of America now gets the news from Colbert and from Jon Stewart, and that's kind of sad. Yeah. Fewer and fewer eyeballs are checking out Katie Kirk. Um, so anyway, the Senate's going to require 60 votes to overcome a filibuster. The certain budget-related measures can pass with 51 votes through a parliamentary maneuver called reconciliation. So it looks like they're trying to sneak it through. They. They and the sneak. Man. I just referred to myself, I guess, I guess outed myself as I don't like Democrats. I don't like their Congress right now. I mean, the whole idea of this just makes me sick. I mean, for for them to ask anybody, including myself as a business owner, to give them any more money or higher taxes for anything else, especially if they want to run any kind of a healthcare system, whether it's a you know single payer, whatever, without them trying to fix the current systems that they have in place, which are Medicaid, Medi-Cal, and Social Security, it just blows me away. It's just, it, it makes me sick. I mean, first... Fix Medicaid and Medicare and Social Security and prove that you can do that before I give you any more of my tax dollars. And you know what? If you shut down the borders and quit letting people come in and illegally, that will end up in a hospital bleeding and that will get care for free. And then that care gets written off and I end up being charged more money anyways. If they just fix the borders, that would help fix the problems right there. Fix the borders, create new jobs. That'll help take care of some health care. And then we can deal with it in the future when uh, the balance, when the budget is more balanced. You know how there was mini me for Austin Powers? Yeah. And he was the, the smaller version of the evil dictator. Uh, what are you going to say now? You're going to be a mini savage. <laughs> Close the borders. Go ahead. Give me a, a rant. Give me a scream. <laughs> no, no, because I know talk about Heidi's spaghetti. hitting the record button as soon as I do that. Talk about spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> and fat Louie. Oh, yeah, smoked while he, and smoked while he made pasta. And my little dog. Um, so I'm coming up with a, a new term because you just basically talked about Congress, mm-hmm. right? So deficit attention disorder instead of <laughs> Congress has a deficit hey, attention that is disorder. Awesome. Thank you. Boom. Did you really make Rob that? Black comes out and throws a mushroom cloud right up their nostril? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh you know, I, I hate doing this, Chad, because it really sounds like I'm just going to be focusing a little bit too much on the, you know, the deficits. But it is scary out there. And with the high unemployment rates and with White House refusing to use realistic numbers, mm-hmm. it's just every year we're going to see it's a little bit worse than we expected, a little bit worse than we expected, a little bit worse than we expected. With that said, I'm optimistic long term that capitalism will win out. But short term, I'm a little freaked out by uh, the spending that we're seeing. Yeah, like I said, it's very interesting to see what happens in 2010 in, you know, Congress, how many career politicians keep their seats. I mean, I'd like to see a lot more real-life business owners in Congress and at least give us some gridlock for the next four years, like six years, really. I hear you. I hear you. Um, did you hear about the next uh, big budget thing that we're going to be, uh, the next big stimulus? As far as the washing machines and yeah, dryers yeah. and refrigerators? I started talking about that today because I want people to look at Whirlpool. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, poke, poke, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, because we're going to be doing a cash for appliances very, very soon. Oh, yeah. I mean, all the brands that are out there, when you go to Sears or wherever, there's only, what, really two main uh, manufacturers of washers, dryers, and refrigerators, and just rebranded in several different stores. Chad, Sears just swung to a lost day. I saw this earlier this morning, and... Sears owns both Sears and Kmart. How does a company lose $94 million when they're in retail? Doesn't that just say, don't own me? Doesn't that stock just say, I'm not worth owning? I I suck at everything I do. I can't make money. They've sucked at everything they do for quite a while. I mean, most of it's been real estate sales from getting rid of locations, right? Kmart especially. Do you remember when uh, Jim Cramer referred to Sears Holdings as the next Berkshire Hathaway? (laughs) 
<laughs> He's wrong on that one. So um, there's a mushroom cloud up his nose. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I swear that's you, Chad. That's not me. Yeah, right. Heidi couldn't have lifted that from me. <laughs> Biotech company today. Canadian regulators are going to market what's called monovisic, an injected treatment for osteoarthritis of the knee. Um, it gets approval. This teeny, teeny, tiny, teeny little stock called Anika Therapeutics, ticker symbol A and I K, up fifty percent. Now, my angle on that chat is I have no idea who the competitors are for osteoarthritis. Mm-hmm. I've got no idea how many people get injections. I got no idea um, if this company is going to be able to market it to doctors or if you know. Uh, I can't play companies like that because they're too small, and I don't know the business well enough. What's the share price now? Uh, seven sixty-seven. Okay, so it's above the point now where some mutual funds could take a look at it if it's a biotech or health sciences type of fund. But most stocks that are under five bucks a share, most mutual funds by rule cannot buy them. Um, so when you're trading with stocks under five bucks a share, you're dealing with people that could be pumping up the price watching you get in and then selling after you get in. So, um, yeah, I mean, you got to stick with, you know, if you're going to be investing in biotech, maybe you have a good ETF and then a good managed fund, um, you know, split your money between those two. Do you play video games? No. Do your kids do play I, video games? Yeah. Yeah. They play the Wii quite a bit. Okay. Do they play, like, I, I got bejeweled on my phone. Mm-hmm. So now sometimes I'm not going out to the shed and playing video games. Um, I'm not hiding from society. Bejeweled. Yeah, it's it's a stupid game where you just move these jewels around, oh, okay. um, and they fall, and kind of thing. You might be decorating dolls or something like that. <laughs> the bejeweled. Oh, that's bedazzled. Sorry. Exactly. So you just move things around. You try to get three in a row. Yeah. Um. So I'm kind. I'm starting to get a little. St- and there's the music of bejeweled. All right. Nice. Right. Nice. Very relaxing. I feel like I'm in Mexico when I play. Okay. Um. <laughs> that's another. another. GameStop video game sales. At GameStop are down year over year. And here's what they had to say. I listened to their conference call this morning. They said that they're not in a position to give a lot of guidance, but they think that the year is going to be amazing because they got Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, which is going to become the largest selling game in history for a company called Activision, ticker symbol ATVI, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, something that's happening with the publishers, Chad, is that they're doing a lot of, I can download it today. Um, through a service, and I can download it in 10 years. Once I bought it, I've bought it, and I can, mm-hmm. I have the right to download it. Right. Um, so GameStop, people are stopping to go. that We no longer go to retail. And I guess I was going to bring this up with Barnes & Noble, too. If we start downloading more books, we're going to stop going to you know bricks-and-mortar stores. And bricks-and-mortar stores are expensive. They have to pay rent. Mm-hmm. So that's why they have to mark up the price so much. So downloads, very, very profitable for the publisher because typically the retail markup on, on almost anything is 100%. So... They are making a hundred percent now. Yeah. They're, they're making the whole nut instead of selling it to the retailer for you know half off. They're getting the whole pool, so to speak. Digital channels are uh, becoming very, very important now. GameSpot does something. GameStop does something that's smart. They allow you to trade in your old used games, and they basically resell them. And they have you. Mm-hmm. They give you GameStop dollars, not real dollars. Right. So they're a little insulated, but not wildly. Well, people like instant gratification, they can go online and download it. Or if you have kids, you've probably heard of um, Pirates Online through Disney where you can basically be a character with Jack Sparrow and and battle as a pirate. Or Toontown, which a lot of kids go to. So my, my son plays a little Wii and a little bit of Pirates Online and a little bit of Toontown. Now, you have to pay a subscription. And the amount of kids that Disney has on Pirates Online, I'm sure they're making a nice annuity out of that. Now that we're talking about kids and video games, nothing like playing a little Gary Glitter, convicted pedophile. 
800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It was a coincidence. Coming up at noon on Talk 910 KNEW. Now, Rob Black. Running out of time. So the United States government is suing AT&T for age discrimination, Chad. What do you think about that? Discriminate against people who are over the age of 40. I think it's more common than anybody wants to admit. I mean, health care insurance is... More is higher if you have a pool of older workers. Typically, the health insurance costs go up, and so... I think a lot of HR people get trained, even if they don't know it, um, to kind of pick the younger worker that they don't have to pay as much wages. And I just like costs. I just like looking at younger workers versus looking at older people. That's my discrimination. A little more spark in your step when there's hotter younger people around you. Exactly, men or women. So um, let's go to Adrian in San Leandro. Adrian, how's it going, Rob? Good. I enjoy the show a lot. Thanks. Um, you're kind. My, my question for you guys is um, basically. Should I be more um, determined in terms of investing in mutual funds as opposed to investing in individual stocks? I have uh, an account with ShareBuilder. I also have an account with Fidelity. Um, I have a tendency to invest more in stocks because it, it costs less. I mean, it, it takes less for me to invest per, on a monthly basis, whereas if I were to try and invest in mutual funds or get in mutual funds, I need you know 2500 bucks to get into a mutual fund account. What's your Fidelity. thought there, Chad? Well, you know, it's a lot. I know that's the thing is a lot of a lot of the good funds um, have that twenty five hundred dollar minimum. Uh, one of the firms that I really like that has some funds that have lower minimums that as long as you agree to put at least fifty bucks a month in right out of your checking account is T Rowe Price. They have several good funds that kind of you know, go for the person that's just starting out. You got your share builder going. You can use ETFs at ShareBuilder dot com, and that way you're basically buying you know a mutual fund that trades like a stock, and it'll allow you to kind of get get in on more, but you know, I, I would say unless you're trading with over five thousand bucks, you should concentrate on the no load funds um, that have lower account minimums. Let's go to Jeff and Gilroy. Jeff, hi Rob. Hi. Um, my question relates to real estate. I'm in a uh, investment with my mother-in-law, and uh, currently living it right now. And basically, I was wondering if I should wait it out or um, sell now. Is, was it an, tell me a little bit more about the investment. Where is it, and was it truly an investment, and how has it worked out? It's in Aptos, and she owns five-sevenths. I own two-sevenths. Uh, we paid originally at the time six ninety, and right now in that area, it's between 5 to 5 Okay. And we owe about four forty. Can you afford the mortgage? Yeah. Okay, I don't think they're... Think the thing is, uh, she's... Uh, She's in her 60s, and I, you know, I'm just more concerned on her part whether or not she wants to retire. I mean, she's obviously paying her end, and it doesn't seem like a, you know, a good thing on her end. Well, it doesn't sound like it's going to work out as an investment anytime soon, so there's your answer. Um, I think Aptos is lovely. It's pretty high-end. It's probably a pretty high-end home, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Okay, so th- there'll be some value. People will want to live next to the sea cliffs of Santa Cruz and Capitola and Soquel for a long time. Okay. So it's a desirable area for sure. Just wait it 
out. I'm not saying wait it out. It's it's up to you. You're a big boy. Um, Chad, you want to th- throw in any thoughts? Well, and she's a big girl, so it really depends on what's in the rest of her portfolio. If she has another portfolio that's got you know stocks, bonds, uh, you know, very well-diversified portfolio, owning a hard asset like real estate, which it looks like it's not upside down as far as what you've paid for it versus, I mean, with the value versus the loan. So she's got some equity in there. So if she's if you guys sold, how would what would you do with their five sevenths of equity? Would she put it in CDs or stocks and bonds? Um, and if she's just going to put it in CDs, then I would leave it where it is in the home if if uh, you guys can afford it. Does she, does she have negative? Does she have cash outflow on this, or are you paying the entire mortgage? He's gone. Oh, okay. If she's got cash outflow on this, I'd probably get rid of it and, and get mom out of there. She's too close to retirement to have negative cash flow issues unless she's real wealthy. Quickie phone call from Bob in San Francisco, Bob. Hi. I heard you saying you don't want uh, anything that's running insurance in the way of government without uh, fixing Medicare. Yep. And this is only five years after they've ruined it with Part D. I mean, if that hadn't been done, or can't you at least apply the standard to Obama that you apply for that and allow him to not be budget neutral, which I guess he won't be if they split the plan up? I thought that was way better if he was going to be budget neutral. And uh, the public plan option, that's the conceivably quite cheap. Thanks you know, for the call. Now it's probably going to drop into half of this uh, split legislation okay. and go by the wayside. Wrong show for this kind of comment. Thanks for the call. That's kind of geared a little bit more towards Green 960. Um, 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639. Chad, let's talk a little bit about the math of asset allocation. It's a term we use often. Mm-hmm. What's the math behind it? Well, the, everybody uses the term asset allocation, and everybody thinks it's being in the right asset classes all the time, and it's not. It, basically, when you put together a portfolio, in most years, not everything is going to be working. In a real good stock market year where growth is ripping and roaring, your small cap, mid cap, and large cap growth might be doing really well. Your value and your real estate and bonds might not be doing that well. But it, what it's meant to do is is shelter you in those three out of 10 years that are bad. So on average, we've got seven good years out of every 10 years in the market. And the way that you win is having the right asset allocation. So you're keeping up with the market in the good years. In most cases, you know, balanced portfolio will lag the market in the good years. But on the down years, you will drastically outperform. And that's how you get ahead in the long run, by outperforming those three out of the 10 years. So we learned today that you can grow your own tobacco and make 312 cigarettes from one tobacco plant. That's what we all learned. And the cell phone thing. $142 savings. Yeah. Well, so. How much time does it take? I don't know. <laughs> With that said, uh, tonight, Las Gatas, Toll House. Are you going to be there? Absolutely. What do you got to say about that? Uh, everything you need to know about retirement planning and transitioning your portfolio. Okay. So see you there tonight at 630. You can sign up at robblack.com, robblack.com. I'll be back in 22 hours. Not sure what I'm going to talk about tomorrow. The markets will tell me. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.